Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Thursday, January 4th, 11.20 p.m. My name is Josh Monix. On today's pod, the Michigan Wolverines lose again. NC State escapes in overtime on the women's side in an anticipated Pac-12 matchup gets lopsided quickly. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me, Josh, in Ann Arbor on Michigan's home court this evening. The Minnesota Golden Gophers, the now 11 and 3 and 2 and 1 in Big Ten play. Golden Gophers 73-71. This came down to the very final possession. Um, Doug McDaniel getting a chance to tie the game in regulation, doesn't get a layup to go down. Uh, would have ju- been just his fourth field goal of the game. Um, ultimately, the Wolverines lose again. They're now six and eight, one and two in the Big Ten, and the Gophers off to continue a, a really strong start to uh, the 2023-24 season. Pretty much the theme of Michigan season, right? Mm. Close games, opportunities to make plays. Olivia Kamwa got a really good look. They got the ball back off of. Uh, Deflection out of bounds. McDaniel drives. Minnesota makes some good defensive adjustments, stays in front of him, forces it into a floater. Yeah, they had their opportunities to at least send this game to overtime. They probably shouldn't even have been in a position to have opportunities to win or tie the game on the last possession, but they found a way to give themselves that chance and couldn't take advantage. If I did the math right, they're now one in five in games decided by six or fewer points. Hmm. And it's right. It's not like they're playing top twenty-five teams every game here. It's a lot of you know a couple overtime games that didn't go their way. Games like this one, and yeah, it's just <laughs> it's getting worse and worse and worse. There's really there's, no other way to. There's it. there's just a ton of Michigan. Just never does quite enough right to win. Whether it's you know whether it's playing defense uh, enough times in a row, like they even even in late in this game they get a steal on an inbounds pass and it turns into a three and and I believe at that point it was you know sixty what seventy two to seventy or something like that seventy one sixty nine um, and seventy one sixty nine one oh three left they get a steal and a bucket instead of being down five with one oh eight left they're down two with one oh three left. And, you know, then they give up a lob dunk. And then even though Elijah Hawkins misses the front end uh, of a one and one, you come down, you're not able to get, you know, not able to score on the other end. It was just, it's just kind of been the way that it's been all season. Just not quite getting what you need when you need it from the Wolverines. And on the Minnesota side, you said, as you mentioned, two and one in the big 10. By the way, that's a win over Nebraska, which just continues to look better. A loss at Ohio State, which is not a problem at all. And a road win. Mm -hmm. Now, is that the toughest three-game stretch you're going to play in the Big Ten? Absolutely not. It's not the easiest either. No. Right. And 
you can say what you want about the non-conference schedule and they don't have any terrible losses. They probably have a couple they want back. But when I looked a couple minutes ago, they were right next to Ole Miss in Ken Palm, which is also a commentary on Ole Miss's strange season. But mm-hmm. they're they are playing much better. It it worked to not really challenge yourself all that much and to allow this team to build some cohesion and build some confidence because it's resulting in really good performances in the Big Ten so far. And whether they can keep this up, we're going to have to see. But the the theme we've talked about, I think at least you've mentioned it, is that they are much better than they were supposed to be. Give Ben Johnson credit. Give this team credit. They are mm-hmm. they are a real basketball team. Yeah, they're one 18-point loss against San Francisco from really not having anything to be that concerned with at yeah. all. Like that's that's not a great one. San Francisco isn't horrible, but they're also not a top 100 Kimpom team right now. If if it weren't for that one, it would be like you said, a 10 point loss to Ohio State and a two point loss at home to Missouri, which also isn't awesome. But it's you know th- when they're playing teams like you know Bethune Cookman, like UTSA, like Arkansas Pine Bluff, like New Orleans, like they're not barely you know, barely getting by, they're beating these teams like pretty bad uh, kind of over and over again, which is, I think, an underrated part of of the upward trajectory of a program as, you know, Minnesota not in the, the best place as a program from a success standpoint, but just beating up on on mid-major teams, I, I don't think is, is unvaluable for a team that's kind of uh, in the place that they are right now in terms of their in terms of their trajectory. Minnesota 73, Michigan 71. Not a ton going on in the sport from uh for a, from a high level perspective, you know, no massive matchups. There was one that was intriguing that got out of hand quickly that we'll get to here in a moment. But Josh, on the women's side of things, a couple of uh interesting performances on this particular evening south carolina cruises against florida 80 89 66 but it's number three nc state who moves to 14 and zero, but they needed overtime to do it against number 22 florida state yeah yeah you got your top 25 matchup for the evening right uh, south carolina shockingly want to know an sec play mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah florida state give them credit they gave nc state all they could handle it i mean Three quarters in, NC State had an eight-point lead at home. Florida State wins the fourth quarter by eight, has a chance to win it on the final possession that goes haywire and doesn't end up in anything good. But they were in that position. And it just every time, with the exception of overtime, NC State really did control the overtime pretty effectively. But every time it felt like NC State was going to really close the door, Florida State found a way to keep sort of kick it back open and uh, – Tanaya Latson having 30 points, most of those coming in the fourth quarter, very helpful. She was absolutely sensational, that's, much more that's balanced. Third straight, by the way. Third straight 30 point game. Yeah. Baller. Yeah. yeah. Baller. No, NC State, much more balanced. You got five players in double figures. Mimi Collins got nine points, 11 rebounds. It's kind of your sixth person there. That's your main scoring contributions for the game. Yeah. I, I think this is only the third time in program history they're 14 and 0. I could have that wrong, but it difficult test, really really good showing from Florida State just ultimately not enough and NC State is able to survive and keep their undefeated season alive. 
outscored the Wolfpack, did Florida State 23-15 in the fourth quarter. Yep. Now, a lot of that has to do with Latson coming alive um, in a very real way in, in the fourth quarter, like you said. But that's uh, that's impressive on the road, needing to to win a quarter by eight to force overtime. Of course, you'd love to walk away with a win, but if you're not going to, this is a, a pretty way, a pretty good way to to not. Uh, it's a pretty good way to 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 feel encouraged by by a performance like that. Absolutely. Anything else on the women's side you want to touch on? Like you said, South Carolina uh, beats Florida by twenty three. Uh, a couple other top 25 teams get tested. Uh, Syracuse actually falls to UNC, but uh, anything else on the women's side? No, that was the big thing I wanted to talk about. You know, Josh, all I ask from the Pac-12 when a game starts at 9.30 on a Thursday night is injury. That's all I ask for. That's all I ask for, especially if we've if we've designated it as a topic on this year' podcast. And tonight... The Arizona Wildcats and the Colorado Buffaloes, they did they did they did no such thing. They did no such thing. Um this game is wrapping up right now. We're just just under two minutes. I'm sure the uh the box score here is is a couple seconds behind. So at the most, there are two minutes left. Arizona is up 89 to 45 on the buffs. Uh they were this is this is bad. And when it was 60 to 32, I was like, it can't get that much worse. Well, it's gotten worse. And this, uh, this, this must hurt for you as a, as a buffs believer this year. But, um, but more than anything else are uh, probably on paper, the most intriguing game of the night turned out to be uh, incredibly lopsided. Yeah. Well, let's qualify this first. Tristan DeSilva, Cody Williams did not suit up for Colorado. This was nah, not a full straight semantics. Semantics. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. They were going to have a chance in this game. KJ Simpson needed to be otherworldly, and he wasn't. They also were. It was very clear how this was going to go about two minutes into this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was over that fast. Weirdly important for Arizona, though, to bounce back from the Stanford debacle, but also you've got. This Colorado team that's playing really well despite not being at full strength at home, you have them with two key players out. They're already a game ahead of you in the loss column. Mm-hmm. This could have been a catastrophic loss for Arizona in terms of Pac-12 regular season title. Mm. Now, did I ever think they were going to lose this game? No. Did it ever appear they were going to come close? No. Mm. But. This was a, they needed to show up and get the job done. And they certainly did that. Early in the season, especially after, you know, after they beat Duke at Cameron Endor, we talked a lot about this idea of is, is, does Arizona have the best guard room in the country? And whether or not you still believe that, uh, that's exactly what they looked like on this particular night. Uh, Kylan Boswell, Pell Larson, Caleb Love, all shooting uh, at least 50% from the field. Uh, Larson, 8 of 12. Caleb Love, 7 of 12. That's 15 of 24. Quick math there for you. The the, the three of them combining for 48 points um, on that kind of efficiency with just two turnovers, both of them coming from Caleb Love. That's um, That's It's going to be hard for anybody to, to beat Arizona when those three guys are playing like that, um, you know, 
not that not that anybody else's performance really mattered. I mean, or Umar Bala one of seven, but I don't really care. But uh, another night where you you're reminded just how how many weapons the Wildcats have in the backcourt. Here's the other thing I wanted to get to in the conclusion I have reached. Sure. You could talk about the defense all you want. Is it a concern? Sure. You should not be ever losing in the way they did to Stanford. They're that 12th said, in Pac-12 defense yeah. thus far at Kempom. When you're talking about national championship, that is a very valid concern and a question that needs to be answered or at least asked. Mm-hmm. There is another theme in their losses, though. If you go back and look, it is that Kylan Boswell was awful. Yeah. I am to the point where this team is uh, – go look at Kylan Boswell's stats. If Kylan Boswell is knocking down four three-pointers early like he did in this game and completing three-quarter court double bounce passes like he did in this game, mm-hmm. good luck. Yeah. He is – he is quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the country. He is unbelievable. But sometimes he has a rough game. And to me, this can't be a sort of guard by committee thing where sometimes it's Caleb Love, sometimes it's Boswell, sometimes it's Larson. Can you get away with all three of them not playing great? Probably most of the time. But Boswell is the engine that makes this thing run. He's the most important player on this team. I'm, I'm completely... I don't even know what the word is invested sold on him as the thermometer for this team. You look at his stats. It's going to tell the defense. He's the, is guy a problem. Who, he's the guy that makes everyone else better. Yes. Yeah. They can overcome some defensive issues. If he is playing like an all American and most of the time he does. And the couple times he hasn't this season, I do not believe it's a coincidence. Those are the games they've lost. You know, it's interesting. Arizona is still the seventh ranked defense in the country. Still. <laughs> um, despite giving up in the last month, basically, yeah, less than that, the last half of a uh, month. Uh, Purdue put up 92 on them. Uh, FAU put up 96 on them. They gave up 81 to a Cal team that is 113th at Kim Palm offensively. And then the Stanford team that is 76th offensively, of course, <laughs> absolute. Just a hundred points dropped on your forehead is 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 not good. So that one's a, a bit head scratching. But then when you when you check the conference only box on Kempom, it very quickly paints the picture that we've been seeing uh, uh, defensively for Tommy Lloyd's team the last the last couple of weeks. Much better tonight. They were <laughs> got to give them credit. They were very good defensively in this game, even though they didn't really need to be because they were just clearly the vastly superior basketball team. <laughs> Final score, by the way, from the McHale Center, 97 to 50. <laughs> uh, just time to, to lick your wounds and go back to, to go back yep. to, to, to Boulder. <laughs> just, 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 just move on. That's one of those where I'm not even sure you need to watch tape. It's just, you yep. know what? We're just going to put that one yep. in the rear view and, and keep on trucking. Colorado still 11 and three now two and one in conference. They're gonna be they're gonna be just fine. But tonight I'm not backing down. I believe in this team. Tonight under man <laughs> was was not was not their night against against the Wildcats. That's gonna do it for this Thursday edition of the Under 8 Podcast. It is 11:36 p.m. 
Last show of the week will be back on Sunday evening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we will see you tomorrow.